the huge warfare Russia is uh, having in Ukraine, surely that changed also the picture. They are ready to attack a neighboring country. <clears throat> if that would be the case that we join, well, my response would be that you caused this. Look at the mirror. Well, that was the president of Finland, Sauli Ninisto, basically giving the middle finger to Vladimir Putin as Finland and Sweden want to join NATO. And, uh, boy, to help us unpack this, so thankful that Stephen Bucci, visiting fellow at Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies, joins us this hour of the Tolbert Show. Steve, thanks for being with us. This is, uh, to me, this is really earth-shattering news. What? How about you? Uh, this is something that's been percolating since the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. Uh, back in the Cold War, uh, the the Soviet Union, you know, the Warsaw Pact and NATO agreed that Finland would remain neutral. The reason that was okay then was that Finland wanted to be neutral. They agreed to it. They thought it was a smart play for them. So everyone agreed. Well, Russia has changed the game by invading Ukraine so blatantly and so absurdly the way they did and claiming that, you know, they get to, to decide who's in which uh, alliance. Finland said, you know, this is crazy. This We could be next. We want to join NATO, so we'll be protected from what just happened to Ukraine. So I agree with the president, uh, the president of Finland. Uh, this is on Putin's head. He's the one who's causing Finland and Sweden to move towards NATO and away from neutrality, not them and not NATO. It wasn't our idea. It's his actions that have caused it. Yeah. I don't think anyone has any doubt about Putin being the provocateur here, although there are people, uh, Tucker Carlson among them. We had two callers. They're they're regular listeners. I know I've talked to him on the program about this before, about the Ukrainian issue. There's a, there's a significant and vocal, um, sentiment on the right that say we are doing nothing in Ukraine but propping up a corrupt oligarchy that supports Nazis and what in the world are we doing sending money and arms over there and it's nothing more than money laundering to support a bunch of hooligans what in the world are we thinking um, on the other hand at what point do you allow whether there is corruption or not I mean I'd, I'd point to the United States as having some corruption uh, are you listening FBI and the Steele dossier I mean every country has corruption but if we refuse to have any kind of involvement encouragement for resistance against the actions that Putin has taken doesn't that set a bad example for the rest of the world at a minimum? And when it comes to agriculture that Ukraine, uh, you know, produces and other things, I, I guess what I'm asking you, Steve, is there seems to be a real chasm among the conservative right, right? Some people say that absolutely we should have no business there. Forget it. No more. And others say, you know, we've got to we've got to beef up our West, our Eastern European defenses and be a part of that. What say you? Uh, look. You know, the idea that we're going to let Ukraine go down the tubes because they've got some corruption in their government because Putin 
is going after him. I mean, the, the Russians are one of the most corrupt regimes in the history of the world. They are a full up, honest to God, kleptocracy that, uh, you know, is run by a small group of people who are all in Vladimir Putin's pocket. The idea that there's the Ukraine is run by a bunch of Nazis, that's straight from Putin's playbook. That's ludicrous. And the idea, you know, and the other thing Putin loves to say is that, well, Ukraine belonged to Russia and it was torn from us by the West. That is an outright lie. The, the Russians, the Ukrainians, and the Belarusian Russians were the three Soviet socialist republics who decided the, the Soviet Union should break up and that those three should be free. We had nothing to do with it. Uh, we were, you know, spectators watching it. So I, I can't understand why normally sentient beings on the right are suddenly buying Vladimir Putin's line of, of propaganda. Don't get me wrong. I don't think America should be over there fighting for the Ukrainians with our troops. Uh, the Ukrainians have not asked us to do that. They are willing and able to fight for themselves. They need some help materially against their gigantic neighbor that illegally invaded them. I, I, it, America does have interests in that region. Not enough interest to send, you know, armored divisions into fight, but definitely interest to try and keep Putin from setting a new precedent that he gets to decide who gets to look in what direction politically in the world. That is not his right. It's never been his right. It's a complete fiction that he makes this demand. And I, I can't understand how people who are normally pretty intelligent think that that's not going to affect the United States going forward. So, you know, look, I don't agree with $40 billion blank checks to things. I, you know, I want to see a plan, what uh -huh. we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what does it entail. But the idea that we have no interest in, in what's happening in Ukraine is kind of mind-numbingly unintelligent for the people that are saying it. No offense to my fellow conservatives, right. but they're wrong in this case. Okay, uh, and we need well, to let help, me, but let, let me ahead. bring up another point that one of the callers brought, because I want to try to always take the best argument of whatever side I happen to not be on and try to see if I can counteract that. And I know you probably are very skilled at that throughout your years of, you know, analysis and Pentagon involvement and so forth when you're trying to make a case for your point. He said that it was reported today or yesterday recently that um, that uh, Zelensky is rounding up dissidents and putting them in jail. Well, and again, I was speculating, what's a dissident? Is a dissident someone who's maybe a pro-Russian? <laughs> uh, what do you, in this setting, what is a dissident? Is he, is, do we have any evidence, as has been maintained by some, who say we have no business being over there, we're supporting a corrupt regime, what in the world are we thinking? We're not intelligent, we're stupid for having any involvement over there. Um, what, what credence is there or what support at all is there that Zelensky is using this opportunity for political gain to consolidate his, his power? What, what say you? I, I think that's a ludicrous argument. He, they invaded his country, not 
you know, he didn't start the war uh, to suddenly say, oh, well, since my neighbor just sent 200,000 troops and armored divisions into my country, I guess I'll use this to my advantage. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's some really, really poor planning on his part. Uh, you know, and it's costing him a heck of a lot. Entire cities in this country have been reduced to rubble over this. Why? So he can get some of his political opponents? I have seen no credible reports on in any news source other than Russian ones that say anything like that is happening. Nor do I see any credible news sources that say that somehow this Jewish man is a Nazi and all of his buddies are Nazis. There's some, you know, internal contradictions there that make absolutely no sense. So where they're coming up with this, other than from things like RT and and other Russian news sources, uh, baffles me. I, I haven't seen it. If somebody's got good, credible news sources that say those things, I'm more than happy to listen to them. Everybody is Uh, saying they've heard it. Nobody is saying where they're hearing it from. Well, let's take you up on that offer. Is there somewhere? Are you on Twitter? I I think you are, aren't you? Uh, No? Mm Mm-hmm. What's your your Twitter handle? Uh, S. Bucci. Capital S. B-U-C-C-I. Okay. And so, folks, if you've got some information, tweet it over to... Steve Bucci, I mean, let's 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 get let's get our facts right. We cannot ever. The one thing that we don't want to be guilty of on the right is to be wrong. <laughs> we got to be right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Now, here's here is a concern I have. And you mentioned let's not indiscriminately give support. I mean, I like giving arms, selling arms, whatever. I doubt they have much money left over there now after the carnage. But um and if you're going to give money, it needs to be targeted. There needs to be a mission. We need to be doing all we can to bring this to a diplomatic end. I get all that. Uh, in a Trump-esque kind of a, of, a, of a philosophy, are we holding the Eastern Europeans who are aiding Ukraine to their fair share in, in support, both arms and money, to the Ukrainians? Or, again, are we shouldering the burden um, how, do you know about that? Is there any information we have on that? I don't know if we have information. Uh, a lot of the, the weapons that are going in, particularly the, the Soviet-era weapons that the Ukrainians you know, can just grab and run with, are coming from those former Eastern Bloc countries that are now, now our allies and friends. They are sending that stuff in. They've asked for backfill with American equipment, but last time I checked, we kind of wanted them to switch all that old stuff to American equipment. So, yeah, it might might be some monetary cost for us. Maybe we're giving it to them at a, at a better price than we might otherwise, but they're doing something that aids Ukraine and fulfills our policy goals of getting these other NATO countries to use our equipment. So, uh, you know, they're not just sitting there and they're the ones right next to Ukraine and right next to Russia. So the fact that they're helping at all, they are running a a much higher risk than we are. So, yeah, I'd say they're they're ponying up. They're putting skin in the game. 
Okay, uh, to, and to I, do this. I think that's all Americans want is for them to, in the Donald Trump kind of a style with NATO, it's like, hey, guys, you agreed to pay your fair share as a percentage of GDP, pony up. And I think Americans are always happy to be a part of a team that, that, that does the right thing and, and leads in the right way. Do you say a new era of good versus, you know, e- good, bad versus good, uh, evil versus, you know, uh, the, 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 the white hat versus the black hat, uh, Lone Ranger versus the, the criminal here. I get a feeling that with this NATO, if in fact Sweden and the Finns join uh, NATO, I got a sense that um, this is sending, this could send reverberations throughout the uh, world, the Iranians, the Chinese, or is that wishful thinking? What do you think? No, no, I don't think it's wishful thinking. I think it's it's a good sign. It shows that unlike what a lot of us were worried about, that NATO was just withering and, and turning into a totally useless exercise where we have big conferences now and then, that it showed itself in large measure because of those newer members in the East that this there, there's a real mission there uh, that we need to lead in doesn't mean we do everything but you know we're we're the the biggest member money wise and force wise that uh there's some good to be done in deterring people like putin from trying to you know not just destabilize the area but completely overturn the the international system of of nationhood uh that's out there based on an idea that there's two types of countries. There's big countries who get to do whatever they darn well please, and there's other countries who just need to shut up and do what they're told. Last time I checked, that's not the kind of system we support. Uh, so I, I think NATO has found a new life uh, because of, of those newer members in the East. Well, that's great to hear. I, I'm uh, I'm glad to see a coalescence and a resurgence in the strength of, like I said, uh, all things you know to defend Western uh, democracy essentially in one form or another. That's that's ultimately what this is about. To you know, it's it's essentially democracy, some kind of self-governing uh, as a rule, versus autocracy, kleptocracy, fascism. You know, like you describe, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad to see it. What what would you put the odds of uh, Putin acting on his saber rattling in terms of either a tactical nuke a chemical weapon or some massive i know you've got you're an expert in so many areas including cybersecurity. some unprecedented i mean disaster uh cyber attack uh in retaliation for what appears to be coalescence of the western um defense uh i i it's not insignificant it's it's a potential real threat so we can't ignore it we can't just cavalierly say well that'll never happen because it could but i think if we stand firm if we communicate to mr putin that hey look if if you cross those lines there's going to be a price you're going to pay uh the the cyber one in particular people need to understand the russians are good at cyber they're really crappy at defensive cyber and the united states has more offensive cyber capability than any country in the world. We don't use it just to go off and steal stuff because we don't have to. They're stealing our stuff because ours is better. I uh, didn't know that. 
We have. I didn't know we, we had that offensive in. cyber cyber uh, warfare ability. I didn't know that. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Offensive cyber is actually easier than defense, uh, and we're really good at it. And the Russians know that, so they'll you know they they do stuff that keeps it below a certain line. But if they really go after us and try and do damage, they understand that they're going to be in cyber ruins really shortly. So I I think there is actually some deterrence going on here that's kept the Russians from from doing that thus far. So uh, now with the the nukes and the chemical and bio, uh, we have to be very careful. We have to watch that. But again, we need to communicate to them that there are certain things that are off limits. And, you know, unless Putin turns out to be crazy, which I don't think he's crazy, but he definitely thinks about this stuff differently than we do. So we need to watch. We need to, to stay in communication, but we need to be tough. We, you know, they are not 10 feet tall. Their disastrous non-offensive there in Ukraine shows that <laughs> to be the case. Uh, they've turned out to be, you know, darn near incompetent. Uh, despite what we thought were great improvements that they had made, it turns out they're they're not quite as uh, big an improvement as we thought they were. Yeah. And with that reality, I think it would be a huge mistake not to recognize that whether in our personal lives, um, on the playground when we were in kindergarten, or in international geopolitics, <laughs> you should never let a bully get away with very much because it's only going to get worse. Stephen Bucci, I really appreciate you being with us, my friend. You took on an awful lot of topics and so expertly um, dissected them for us. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. There he is, Stephen Bucci from the Heritage Foundation, at Bucci B-U-C-C-I. Take a look at his Twitter feed. It's good. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. 314-912-1019. Don't forget to have the app on your mobile phone so you can catch us uh, any time of the day uh, or night here on News Talk STL, 1019-941. Of course, you can hear us on the web as well at NewstalkSTL.com. And uh, if you've uh, not been able to catch the whole show this morning, uh, catch it tomorrow on the Encore presentation, uh, 9 to 12. Uh, that is 9 to 12 in the evening, tomorrow evening. So we have Ed on the line. Go ahead. What's uh, what's on your mind, Ed? Hey, Randy. Um, thanks for uh, taking my call here. I just wanted to add to your, your recent interview there concerning Ukraine. I actually have um, business interests in Ukraine. We have an office in Kiev. And uh, I've been there numerous times and probably be going there again here very soon. Um, it is frustrating to hear this this talk about Nazis and all this sort of thing. There are no Nazis in Ukraine. And I think that people that are saying that are either sock puppets uh, pushing Putin's uh, propaganda, but they also probably weren't paying attention in 2014 when Putin's uh, hand-picked puppet was uh, running Ukraine. Uh, the Ukrainian people uncovered that uh, they had depleted the treasury down to around 10,000 U.S. dollars and had all the corruption and theft and and then also weakened the military so it couldn't rise up and be a threat to, to Moscow. 
when they overthrew him, the propaganda started uh, that these were right-wing nationalists, um, Nazis, and etc. The Azov Battalion rose up in Mariupol and began outperforming the Ukrainian army and pushing the Russians back in the Donbass region. And this propaganda that they were all Nazis um, uh, started coming out. And that's really where it's coming from, and it continues to this day, and Putin's talk about Nazification. But, you know, my question to anybody that thinks that there's Nazis over there, please show me when do they do their Nazi stuff. When are they killing Jews? When are they throwing other undesirables in concentration camps? When are they, uh, you know, marching around and uh, invading other countries? Ed, let me ask you this. I, I think you're right, and, and I guess the uh, one of the prime pieces of evidence that would argue against uh, that Zelensky is supporting Nazis is the guy's a Jew. <laughs> so it just it doesn't make sense. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to concoct some kind of the craziest plot that even Max Boise, our intrepid, you know, a movie critic would could couldn't even maybe have ever seen in any kind of movie he's watched. It just doesn't make sense. Let me ask you this. I've had callers um, say to me, in fact, it happened the other day on the show I do in Columbia uh, in drive time in Columbia um, that. Uh, He's been jailing dissidents. He's using this as a way to grab and concentrate power. And I just wonder if maybe the so-called dissidents, for those who want no involvement of America over there and think it's all just supporting a corrupt oligarchy, um, maybe those dissidents are actually pro-Russian activists and he needs to you know, put them down so he can fight a fight for Ukraine. What, what's more likely the truth? Well, the... You know, the reality is here is that, you know, the left always uses words and language and manipulates it. The, you know, the word dissident just means that somebody disagrees with you. And what he's, if, if he's in, who he might be picking up are actually collaborators um, that are, there's also been, before the war started, there were a lot of uh, Russian elements in civilian uh, garb in Ukraine mm. that were starting to do some sabotage work. So... Uh-huh. Any any country that's fighting for its survival is going to uh, eliminate those that are undermining their efforts. So I, I don't see how that's a, a negative, and it's not about consolidating his power. They have elections over there. I know. I again, I know people there. Most of these people that say these things don't know anyone in Ukraine, never been to Ukraine, don't know anything about Ukraine, and. Um, <clears throat> They're just carrying water for Putin. And, you know, what they think this is going to result in, I, I don't know. What do we know about the eastern the uh, Donbass reason that allegedly, according to people that say we shouldn't be supporting them, um, and not just that region, the whole country, uh, saying, well, look, those people in the Donbass region, they're, they are have been and are and will continue to be sympathetic to Russians, and we just need to let them have that territory because they're really, for all practical purpose, they're Russians, and just let them let Putin chip away at the sovereignty and the geography of Ukraine. Well, if, first of all, that's not true. I know people in the Donbass. I have communication with them, and they say that uh, there are no such thing as a Russian separatist in the Donbass. They are Russians. 
that were moved in there in 2014 because it's obviously close proximity. You just got to walk over the border. They, some of them officially installed themselves as mayors and other political positions um, in 2014 and early 2015. There are no Russian separatists. They are Russians. When I say that, I don't mean they're Ukrainians that are Russians. They're Russian citizens that have moved in there to do Putin's bidding to uh, start to take over in the Donbass region. And let me bring up another thing that the press is uh, continually getting wrong. They will mention that a certain city or area is mostly Russian-speaking or something like that, like Kharkiv uh, in the northern area of the Donbass. Everybody speaks Russian in Ukraine. Some people speak Ukrainian and Russian. But I have met many Ukrainians that do not speak Ukrainian. However, the government <laughs> of Ukraine has made it has made it you know their official language because it's their native tongue, which they have had taken away from them for eighty years or, or actually more than that. Um, but the so when they say, "Oh, this is a Russian-speaking area," they're trying to paint a, it paints a picture as if there's it's like the Tower of Babel over there, and it's not. Everyone speaks Russian. Okay. Well, hey, I really your insight is really valuable. I, you know, when this whole thing broke out, we had my brother on um, who uh, had a ministry over there uh, through uh, his uh, medical mission that he did uh, oh, 10 years or so ago uh, with uh, my nephew, his son. And um, he echoes your sentiments about the patriotism of the people, the goodness, the good heartedness of the Ukrainian people and has a totally different take on it than what, um, you know, than what we may be hearing from uh, the far left and, and some on the right, actually, who I think are making a mistake in this. I mean, I have a feeling that a lot of the opposition to Ukrainian support from many on the right, um, and, I, and I understand the concerns. It's, it, it goes back to Washington, George Washington's admonition, don't get entangled in foreign events. I, I get all that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 there's no doubt that there is a national security interest. There is a, an interest in telling bullies what to do and what not to do. And I think that I wonder how much of the opposition from the right some of our fellow conservatives is just the fact that many Democrats support supporting Ukraine. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> anything that Joe Biden or any of his Democrat supporters are about. I can't be about. Could that be part of what's playing in here? I'm not sure. I think there could be a few people that think that way just to be the um, you know, to be obstinate about it. But I think that a lot of it is just uh, disinformation. Uh, yeah, and there's right. a lot of it out there. Uh, there really is, and I'm, uh, right. you know, I'm I'm working hard to to help support uh, some of the fighters over there. I have several contacts in the Ukrainian military and the volunteer forces um, there in Ukraine, and uh, and I'm you know I'm pretty much in tune more more so than the average American. I knew these people would fight. When they kept saying that Kiev's going to fall in 48 hours, Russia's going to roll up Ukraine in no time, I knew that wouldn't happen, that these people are going to fight. They love their country. They love their freedom. They actually, when I'm there, they ask me questions about why is the United States going to the left? Don't they know this doesn't wow. work? There you go. And yeah, they've been there and done that. And I've had callers yeah, over the years exactly. from Eastern Europe are saying, what are you guys doing? I, I immigrated here to, exactly. to run from that, and now you guys are heading there. Hey, Ed, I really right. appreciate the call. Thank you so much for weighing in. And, uh, hey, stay safe. Best of luck with your business interests and your trips over there, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right. There he is, Ed. That was a good call. Good call. And uh, that insight with uh, that 
first-hand uh, uh, intro introspection is very important. Hey, when we come back, we're going to have a really neat interview with uh, Cheryl Chumley. She's the uh, opinion editor for Washington Times and author of a book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. You'll want to hear that. And I want to talk to her about a couple of the other confusing things coming out of the left on how this government works. And, uh, well, I think they have a different idea how it should work. Randy Tobler with you, along with Max. We're The Tobler Show. Thanks for being here. You know, from time to time, I talk to folks who have neglected one or the other aspects of their health through the pandemic. And one of those aspects that I think people may not think about, because we hear about colonoscopies, mammograms, yada, 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 is your dental health. If you don't care, take care of your teeth, not only can you have cosmetic, you know, image and appearance problems uh, and cavity problems, but what about the periodontal disease and the, the gum disease that can lead to widespread problems throughout the body? That inflammatory impulse can be a big deal. That's why I get my regular cleanings at Advanced Dentistry of St. Charles, my regular checkups that include cleanings, a thorough exam, and if any other work needs to be done, that's what's done. I've had some uh, crowns put on. I've had some other work done. And, of course, the routine basic care, which I think many of you may have neglected just because we've all were under lockdown. We're going to be talking about that next segment. Dr. Jay Olmos and Dr. Dan Cusimano and their great team there can take care, of course, those basics, those fundamental foundational things that are so important. And then it expands from there. Laser dentistry, clear aligners, fast braces, masters at that, dental implants, cosmetic dentistry, and of course, the therapeutic and cosmetic options that other dentists don't uh, offer like Botox and dermal fillers, for instance. So get to know them, 636-978-0226 or on the web at advanceddentistrynow.com. That's advanceddentistrynow.com. Dr. Jay Olmos, Dr. Dan Cusimano at Advanced Dentistry of St. Charles. Well, it's a real pleasure to say hi to Cheryl Chumley, of well, award-winning author, of best-selling author of uh, the previous Socialist Don't Sleep, and now the new book just out, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And uh, Cheryl is a fabulous uh, and prolific uh, writer. And, of course, uh, she's also the uh, Washington Times online opinion editor and host of a podcast, Bold and Blunt. How are you doing, Cheryl? Thanks for being with me. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm, I'm so thankful that you are calling out and really pointing the strategic direction that the left is taking us in, taking every opportunity they can to absolutely turn us from a freedom-loving to a government-dependent country, right? I mean, that's really, we're on that path if we don't call them out, right? Yeah, it, we, we definitely are on the path. And part of the problem is that uh, we have in the White House right now a president who is only too willing to work with the globalist powers who be who have set uh, America in their sights. And, you know, under the previous administration, there was a lot of uh, pushback on the idea of global government infiltrating America. It, we had the whole America first. And that wasn't just a saying that Donald Trump used. He actually guided his policy by it. But this administration is a whole 180 degree opposite. And they are more than willing to work with the global partners. And this is the big risk we face right now, that they're using the pandemic to piggyback into uh, other global agendas. You know, uh, earlier we talked with the co-author of, uh, of a book called Hot Talk, Cold Science, uh, written by Fred uh, Singer. We talked with David Legates, one of the co-authors. And it was like, these interviews are sort of a parallel 
uh, chapters in a different story uh, or the same story, which is essentially the, the the left will use any tool it can to exert control and power. On the one hand, it's it's, you know, the, the attack on fossil fuels in the name of so-called climate change, like we're going to make a big difference when China and India are ruining it over there um, and doing belching out all of that on the one hand. And again, concentrating government power. As sacrificing the people. And as you've so eloquently written in lockdown, my God, they use this pandemic to absolutely gain control. And it still goes on in some quarters, right? I mean, now we still are, are hearing, uh, you know, calls for more and more vaccines, which fine, I'm a pro vaccine guy. But um, the overarching just, you know, pounding of, you know, do what we say, do what we say, it's good for you take this castor oil. All the while we keep slipping down that slippery slope of losing our freedoms, aren't we? Yeah, they're already teeing up the next um, fear. So under under two plus years of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, fear was used by the left to exploit uh, to to exploit the fear to justify continued clampdowns on the American people. And the left is already teeing up the next fear, the next virus, the next virus as it feeds into environmentalism. And let me give you two examples of that really quickly. On the same day, lockdown came out. Bill Gates's next book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, came out. And I immediately purchased a copy and I looked through it. I have it on my desk right now looking at it. And in it, he is talking about uh, taking actions to prevent the next virus, the next pandemic. And he's coming at it from an angle of the regulatory uh, controls and the policies and agendas that need to be enacted in order to prevent the next pandemic. Well, what he puts out in his book are some of the very same things I'm warning in lockdown that are going to strip American citizens of their individual liberties. And so they're already teeing up the next virus. And the, the way the left works, it's very clever. They, they start with, you know, one person says this and another one goes on uh, mainstream media and says that. And then uh, right after that, someone else comes out and pens an essay in a scientific journal saying so and so more of the same. And just in the last couple of weeks, I noticed that the journal Nature had this essay in it from two so-called scientists that outright tie viruses, this pandemic, to uh, environmentalism. And what they wrote was that if we don't take more, uh, you know, quicker, faster, more regulatory controls on environmentalism, if we don't deal with climate change, we're going to have more and more viruses and more and more people are going to die. And their logic was that as humans uh, develop the earth, right, build things and move places, animals are forced out of their natural climates. And so they move to areas that are more populated by humans, bringing with them their viruses, which in turn infect humans, which in turn <laughs> result in more deaths. Seriously, this is the link. This is where they're going. And if you yeah. look at some of the uh, UN players in the World Economic Forum, their goal is to take this virus and move right into uh, climate change regulatory clampdowns. So you can see the writing on the wall right now. Well, they're just smarter than all of us, and they're able to concoct these speculative catastrophes and connecting dots that aren't even yet 
existing. <laughs> and and it's it's just amazing. They just don't understand the basic tenets. Well, I guess they do understand it, but they want to destroy the basic tenets of our constitutional democratic republic. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't come from Washington, D.C., it's just not worthy of your consideration, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's that's what we're about now. I mean, we saw that with the uh, you saw where uh, Joe Biden wanted to uh, they're talking now about invoking the defense uh, emergency preparedness act or whatever it's called to um, for the infant formula thing. Right. I mean, that's the government controlling the means of production. That is socialism, period, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly where the left is ultimately leading. It's not just socialism. It's total collectivism where those few elites at the top will guide the activities of every human, not just in America, but around the world. And America is the stumbling block right now for these globalists, right? Because here in America, um, we, we, we get our rights from God and government is only there to support and preserve those already granted rights from god and the 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 big the big tool the left has to crumble that is fear and we saw over the last couple of years how fear was used to justify keeping american citizens from going to work going to school going to church even and government was put in a position of deciding who got to go where who got to go to work who got to go to businesses and 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 church and so forth and who didn't and so we've been sort of conditioned now to turn to government for permission to do things that government shouldn't have the right to give a give or take permission in the first place and if you look at Here's a good example of how the mindset has shifted in America. If you look at the, the CDC when, when it forced Americans into face masks on airplanes, right? And a federal judge just came out maybe a month ago and said, no, the CDC is overreached. So we all have the ability to fly the airs, uh, fly the skies face mask free. And we cheered that. Conservatives cheered that. And that's a good thing. But at the same time, why was that decision in the hands of a judge to decide anyhow? This is how the left works. They move the goalposts slowly, mm-hmm. secretly, slyly, until pretty soon we're conditioned to look at the court system, say, or some other politician to give us back rights that never should have been taken from us in the first place. Well, it's it's a brilliant analysis of where they're going, why they're going, and how they're going to a ruination of what we know and love as our America, built on, as you say, the the Americans giving a little bit of power to the government, but retaining our God-given rights. Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for this beautiful book. It's a great read, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Thanks for being with me this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. There she is, Cheryl Chumley. Well, that'll wrap it up for another week. I don't know where the time goes, but I thank you for spending it with me again on this Saturday morning. Max and I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, you can hear it again tomorrow from 9 to 12. Remember, next week we'll be here again on uh, every Saturday on News Talk STL. Stay tuned for uh, Bob and Eric on, on the money. And remember that it is faith, family, and freedom that will help us overcome every challenge and every opponent like those socialists, to the great American way that is the greatest country the planet's ever seen. Thanks for being with me. Have a great weekend. See you next time. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory.
in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy. Let 